From Capital News, Illinois in Springfield, I'm Peter Hancock, and this is Capital Cast. A lot is being said about the state of the Illinois economy today. Is it growing or shrinking? Is state government helping or standing in the way? And did the General Assembly this year, with its passage of expanded gambling, legalized recreational marijuana, and a host of other items designed to spur business activity, help or hurt the state's long-term economic outlook? To get one perspective on those questions, I sat down this week with Todd Meisch. He's the president and CEO of the Illinois Chamber of Commerce, the state's largest and some would say most influential business lobby. I started off asking him about a recent report from the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago that said the state and regional economy is just kind of so-so, growing but not as robustly as it usually does and not as robustly as the national economy. Is that what you hear from businesses when you go around the state? Very, very generally. Um, this region has always been a little bit more cyclical than other parts of the state, uh, other parts of the nation. Uh, also, there are also some very, very fast-growing uh, states. Florida comes to mind. Uh, Texas with its uh, energy revolution down there. So that's automatically going to go ahead and skew or raise the bar for us to go ahead and meet. So we're growing, and a lot of people are doing really pretty well. But there are two main headwinds that I would point out. Uh, first is this trade war with China really is having an impact. Uh, we export more to Mexico and to uh, Canada, but it's still a very important part, especially for the agriculture community. Um, and then the agriculture community is getting a second hit with that early spring weather uh, in which uh, all the rains uh, kept thousands and thousands of acres from even getting planted. So the crop's going to be down. Uh, some of those payments that Trump has given to go ahead and offset the China trade war are helping, but they're only mitigating damage. They're not making people whole. So those are the two big headwinds I see in when I talk to uh, businesses across the uh, state. And we've all seen the reports that Illinois is having a net loss of population for the last few years. Uh, how big of a challenge is that for the overall economy and for the business community? It certainly is, because if you own a grocery store, if you own a bank, uh, you can't get up and move. <laughs> so if you're losing customers, in meaning population, uh, it really, really hurts the economy. But also, I would say it's probably the biggest indicator that something's not right here that we need to go ahead and increase economic opportunity so that people feel like they've got a future here, that they don't have to leave to another state to get a better job or that their job is still going to be here. So that's I go back to that pro-growth policy need that Illinois desperately um, uh, has to have in place. Uh, population growth is one thing that Democrats and the people in power cannot really answer when they say, hey, everything's fine. Um, no, if everything is fine, we wouldn't be losing population like we are. One of the big pieces of news for the state uh, in the last several days has been the fact that the Fitch Credit Rating Agency upgraded the outlook for the state of Illinois from negative to stable. The overall credit rating is still triple B, which is just one notch above junk status, uh, but they, they seem to be saying that the outlook for the state is better now than it has been. Does that have an impact on the business community, just the fact that state government finances seems, seem to have stabilized a little bit? It has some um, impact, I think. Uh, and, uh, but I'll tell you that still at Triple B, uh, 
Uh, people shouldn't be jumping up and down and saying we've got things fixed. It just means we're not, you know, still, uh, you know, diving off the cliff at this point. Yeah. So I think that uh, I think I saw another study uh, out this um, just this week where Illinois came out dead last in overall financial situation. So uh, hopefully, you know, with a big tax increase and you know a strong economy, that's definitely helped. But we need long-term growth. Uh, strategies in order to go ahead and make sure that we're actually uh, moving up the chain in terms of ratings because every single taxpayer is paying more in interest because our rating is so low. So everybody who's listening to this, you're paying more uh, because of our terrible finances. And then finally, it's also just a perception issue. Are you going to go ahead and invest in a state that has the worst finances of any in the nation? Uh, it's a big deterrent. Do you hear that when you're out talking to businesses in terms of trying to recruit people to Illinois? Uh, do people bring up the fact that, hey, state government seems to be on the rocks? Yeah, there's no doubt about it because a lot of people deciding whether to make investment or not are actually factoring in the fact there's going to be another tax increase. Uh, so I think that people definitely do look at it. Uh, plus, it's just a matter of, an, it's kind of seen as an indicator on how well the state is being run. Uh, J.B. Pritzker has only been in office for less than a year here, so maybe he'll make some other changes, go ahead and turn things around. But it's seen almost as a proxy for how well the state is run, not just on finances, but everything else the state does. Uh, and uh, people pay attention to it. There's no doubt about it. But the biggest factor is, when's the next big tax increase coming, and do I want to be there for it? Now, the state of Illinois didn't get into this financial hole overnight. I mean, this has been going on for decades through Republican and Democratic administrations. Uh, and we see this in the huge backlog of unpaid bills. We see it in the unfunded pension liability. Doesn't it seem like there's going to have to be some pain to dig this, to dig out of the hole? Uh, there's already been some, which is the largest tax increase in the history of uh, the state. Uh, so I think that we really talk about three things when it talks about our economic or financial future here in the state of Illinois. The first is you've got to restrain spending. Uh, this new budget actually spends a lot more money, and uh, it's, get, it's difficult when you see revenues actually increasing like they did in May to go ahead and hold back and resist the urge to go ahead and spend that money. We still have billions of dollars of unpaid bills, even though we have a nominally balanced budget. So there's still billions of dollars of liability out there that we've run up in the past we haven't paid for. So that's the most important thing. Um, but second is you've got to have pro-growth uh, policies. You've got to have the economy growing faster than it is now uh, in order to go ahead and rev generate that revenue because you can't cut or tax our way out of our problem. Growth has got to be a big part of that. And then if you get those two things right, maybe, maybe you talk about uh, smart ways to go ahead and find more revenue. doesn't mean automatically you jack up the income tax. Uh, there are things you can do in public-private partnerships and spending money more smartly or accessing private capital. All those three things are going to be necessary. And do you think the General Assembly helped or hurt uh, in the 2019 session? Well, I, I think they were kind of given a gift of, of a strong economy that produced a lot of revenue uh, right there at the end of session. Uh, I do give the governor credit for taking off uh, the table uh, his plan to go ahead and short the pensions yet again. Mm -hmm. That is still one of the biggest reasons we've got this deficit uh, is that uh, um, Robert Goyevich in particular just did a pension holiday. said, we're not going to go ahead and make any contributions to the pensions. 
you know, they borrowed and said we're going to get unrealistic uh, returns on that borrowing. Um, so that really accelerated things. But I'd say it even goes back to the 90s where the General Assembly has never really been that disciplined. And I think that most um, taxpayers are pretty skeptical of uh, politicians' ability to go ahead and be fiscally responsible. But even under the Edgar years when the, when the budgets really were balanced, a lot of it was because he did a ramp of the pension costs and pushed them off into the future that we're now paying for now. So I think Jim Edgar was an excellent governor, but even under his fiscal um, stewardship, a lot of what he was able to accomplish was because he passed a pension ramp-up bill mm -hmm. that put those pension costs off into the future when he was out of office. He definitely benefited by that, even though I believe he was an excellent governor. Well, two of the things that the General Assembly did this year, and you talked about finding additional revenue streams, uh, was a huge expansion of legalized gambling, uh, six new casinos, including one in Chicago, uh, as well as legalized sports betting, and also uh, legalized recreational marijuana. Uh, there's some pretty uh, optimistic estimates out there about how much that's going to generate. The gaming money, I think, is primarily going into the huge capital plan, the $45 billion capital infrastructure plan. So is that the kind of thing the state, state needs to be doing, or are you optimistic that gambling and marijuana will help pull the state out? I think there's diminishing return to additional gaming. Uh, I think that within probably a mile of where we're sitting right now, there In are probably 60 different places we could go and gamble. And again, people think that's a good thing. People think it's a bad thing. Uh, but we're getting, I think, definitely we're at saturation with this bill because uh, they're expanded the number of places, like at a bar, the number of the video you can gaming, get, yeah. six new casinos. Some of them it makes a lot of sense in that if they're on the border, probably the one in Danville makes a lot of sense because you'll bring Indiana over. You'll uh, capture presumably some of the people who go from Chicago to Indiana, northwest Indiana to gamble. So those locations make sense. Rockford probably as well. Wisconsin has got uh, competition. So you're going to get some more revenue, there's no doubt about it, but I feel like we're right there at saturation, diminishing return. Cannabis, uh, I will actually give uh, the, uh, the legislature and the governor some credit. They didn't put a big number in on cannabis uh, because uh, other states, if you were first to the table, uh, like the state of Washington, that was $700 million a year. But they're already seeing that decline as there's more and more competition. So I think they were relatively responsible simply in terms of estimating how much money they're going to get um, but then you've got to talk that's balanced out about the impact on communities, the impact on workplaces. Uh, it's going to make it even harder to hire people if you've got to have a drug-free workplace. So I'm not sure it was the right direction, um, but I give them some credit for not saying, hey, this is half a billion dollars tomorrow, uh, which we've done in the past. Now, they did put in some employer protections in the cannabis bill. Yeah, the chamber largely uh, wrote those so with a lot of uh, input and help. Uh, so we do believe that the employer protections, which says if you need to maintain a drug-free workplace with adequate uh, discipline for people who violate that um, policy, then uh, we think we've got the strongest protections of any state in the nation that has recreational. So uh, we give, again, the, the sponsors a lot of credit. We said that that was absolutely uh, critical to have. And then strong local control is also in that legislation 
uh, I think, again, as strong as anybody, um, as any other state has, because we think communities need to go ahead and decide what does cannabis look like in Springfield? What does it look like in Evanston? Local communities need to have that authority to determine what it looks like within their borders, and they largely have it under this law. Is there going to be a point where state chambers and even the U.S. Chamber of Commerce have to go to Congress and say there needs to be federal action? We seem to have this untenable situation where well over half of the population in the United States lives in a jurisdiction where marijuana is legal to some extent or another at the local level, but it's still a Schedule I uh, controlled substance at the federal level. And it, it just doesn't seem like that's sustainable. Yeah. Uh, I think that the, that the proponents, is, that's definitely their strategy. Get as many states to be proponents uh, of it in their states and then think that creates some momentum or we have a tipping point where the Congress will go ahead and ask. I don't think it's around the corner, though. I really don't get that sense. Uh, I think that um, the states that have fallen for recreational right now are certainly much more liberal, uh, and there are a lot of conservative states. So I, and then also as we get more and get further and further into this experiment, it's still an experiment in, even in Washington and Colorado, which have, um, were the first to jump in, um, there, I think there are going to be negative effects that start to come out. So I don't think we're around, uh, it's around the corner by any means, a federal change. Um, but the biggest uh, thing is the financing. Uh, that may be a tipping point where you've got con uh, more conservative but financially oriented organizations that say, hey, we're really getting stuck in the middle here. We've got to have some kind of relief. That might help push it. I don't think it's anytime soon. Another thing the General Assembly did right at the end of the session as they were trying to strike a budget deal uh, the chamber and Republicans, House and Senate Republicans, came in with a list of pro-business things that they wanted to pass in exchange for their votes on a budget. And they included things I think you were asking for, like the research and development tax credit, the uh, apprenticeship tax credit, uh, the incentives to establish data centers in Illinois. How positive was that, do you think, for the business community? It really, really went a long way to balancing out the overall session for the business community, even though it was much more tilted towards large businesses. Small businesses got whacked by the minimum wage increase, $15. Everywhere in the state, $15. Doesn't matter if you're in the loop or if you're in Carmi, Illinois. That was a really bad outcome. Now, we're going to come back to that and try and fix that with more regional approach. Uh, but small businesses didn't get much out of that. Of the positives that did happen for some larger businesses, yes, yeah, some things we've been asking for for a very long time. Kind of esoteric <clears throat> uh, tax called the franchise tax is going to phase out. Uh, manufacturers got an important new incentive. Uh, also, R&D was very important. Uh, and then for us, the chamber drafted and put together a coalition to pass that data centers legislation that allows levels of playing field with other states for billion-dollar projects to come to Illinois. These data centers are gigantic. They don't employ tons of people, but they're billion-dollar investments, and we've been losing them to places like Iowa. I like Iowa, but we shouldn't be losing anything to Iowa here in Illinois. So the General Assembly will be back in Springfield in October for the veto session. Is there anything left on your agenda that you'd like to see them address? We're going to really ask the governor of the legislature to say, hey, you did some really good things for us at the end of session. 
but small business has got to get some attention here. So I think we've got to go ahead and review the regionalization issue on minimum wage. There are multiple ways you can do it, and we'll work with them to decide how to go ahead and give relief to communities that don't have the same cost structure as the city of Chicago. Uh, that's probably the single biggest thing is we're going to ask them to revisit some things, give small businesses some relief that larger businesses got at the end of session. You want to revisit the minimum wage? Yeah, so our, our preferred approach, and actually it's a uh, Chicago South Suburban Democrat introduced it for us, which was to go ahead and create a new tax credit that would be based on federal data on both um, cost of living and wages, and the lower those are, the more the tax credit would be. When we were talking with a lot of Democrats who agreed with us that there should be a different wage in different parts of the state, not $15, well, the unions convinced the governor to say, no, that's not going to work, $15 everywhere. Well, we want to come back at then almost kind of from the back door a little bit and provide more tax relief to those businesses that are paying way, way, way too much based on uh, cost of living and, and their wage rates. So you're willing to go along with the $15 an hour statewide, but you just want uh, tax relief for the people in uh, lower lower cost, lower wage. I wouldn't wages. say we're willing to go along. <laughs> we still think it's a terrible idea to go ahead and, and go ahead and increase it that much and not have a regional approach. What we're trying to do is uh, deal with political reality. The, the governor has decided this, how he's going to go. Uh, and hopefully we help convince him that this is a reasonable approach to mitigate what we think is going to be substantial harm to small businesses. Todd Meisch, president and CEO of the Illinois Chamber of Commerce. Thank you very much. Thank you. And that's it for Capital Cast this week. Capital Cast is a production of Capital News Illinois, a statehouse reporting project of the Illinois Press Foundation. Until next time, thanks for listening. I'm Peter Hancock.